go say, if you feel free if you've got a lighter on you as I walk up, right? With my walk up music. I can't believe he gave me a lighter. I'm like, yes, fire. No, no. So I put it up here, so I'll be using it later when I light the candle. So thank you guys. It's so great to see you here today. It's so beautiful out today. I'm so, so happy to... I love snow, but I love snow mostly when I can stay home and stay cozy and I don't have to go drive around in it. So I'm very, very thankful for the beautiful weather right now. And, um, and it's made my research on Christmas lights much simpler, you know, and I've been posting because Christmas lights are one of my very favorite things. So Kayla's not kidding when she tells you that I curate this and I spend a lot of time putting this, this tour together. So, um, all right, so to get, get going, we are going to be, uh, we're continuing on in our Christmas series in Advent. Um, and Advent is a season of focusing our hearts on the preparation for the birth of Jesus, but also preparing ourselves for the second coming of Christ. So it's, it's an important time of remembrance and, and bringing those things to mind again, just kind of refreshing ourselves in that way. So the first week of this series, Bob taught on hope. And then last week, Pastor Scott taught on preparation and waiting. And this week, as Kayla said, I am teaching on joy. And I got to pick which week I taught on. I was like, joy, hands down. That's what I wanted to, that's what I wanted to teach on. Um, and before we get going in the message so much, I just want to bring to your mind so that you can have this as a filter as we're talking, you know, we're talking and we're going through this, this message that the scripture in Galatians 5, where it talks about the fruit of the spirit, joy is there. So joy is a fruit of, a result of the spirit in us. So, so keep that as your filter as we start to, to go through this. So I started the way we do often is I was like, okay, let's just look up the word joy. Let's see if there's any surprises there. And there was not. So joy, a noun, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. That's what I've understood joy to mean. Sorry, I've got a lot of hair, guys. I'm just, ugh. Um, yeah. uh, if we're looking at the verb tense of that, then it's rejoiced, rejoicing, you know, feel, to feel or show great joy or delight. So that's not really a surprise to me. You know, that's, that's what I think joy means. But if you are looking to your mind to have a visual of, okay, in my mind, I know that this is what joy means, but what is a visual representation of joy? What does it look like? I'm going to show you a quick little clip here, and you tell me. As I watched that, it just cracked me up. I mean, that's joy, all right, that's joy. So is that the reaction that you had when you first came to know Jesus and discovered you had eternal salvation? That should be the kind of joy you're feeling, even if you might not be quite as effusive about it. I mean, but that is just joy. Look at, I mean, you, you can't make that up, that little kid's reaction. 
so priceless, so priceless. So it doesn't seem hard to understand when we read the word joy, and it's not a mystery to us. The idea of joy is not a mystery to us. We might feel it spontaneously, as that little guy did when he found that he had a banana. Um, But it isn't something that can be manufactured. And that's something to really remind ourselves. We can't manufacture joy from nowhere. Really, Jesus is, is where that joy comes from. The Holy Spirit is where that joy comes from. So while we can't manufacture it, we can, when we are struggling, reflect upon previous times of joy. And that reflection can bring real fruit to us. So I put a Facebook question out there about, hey, I'm teaching on joy. Tell me one joyful memory that you have. And I'm going to tell you something that was interesting to me. A lot of times I'll put those questions out, and I get lots and lots of answers. I didn't get as many answers this time, which was interesting to me. I usually post in a couple places. One place, I got no answers at all. And I thought, that tells me something. That tells me that sometimes it's difficult for us to just bring ourselves back to a moment where we experience something that is real, utter joy. So some of the answers I did get was uh, one where uh, Pastor Lisa was talking about seeing her kids demonstrate faith. You know, when you have a child, you want more than anything for them to be able to have that unwavering faith and not only to have it, but to understand it, for it to be deep in their heart and for them to feel confident about what their faith means. And to have that start as a, a very little young person That gives Lisa great joy. One was for me when I was pregnant with my daughter, Sage. My pregnancy went just by the book, no problems. But when I went in for delivery, I ended up having a C-section. And so I was, it wasn't expected. I was a little freaked out. And I remember just listening for that first cry. I was like, I just need to hear her voice. And the minute that cry happened, that was joy. That was just joy to know she was alive, number one, right? You know, that was, that was a joy. I can't even, I, I, when I think about it, when I reflect on it, though, it brings it right back to my heart, right back to my heart, like it had just happened. Um, there were some about God winks, how God gives us just what we need when we need it, that that's joyful when you're struggling to have those kind of things that are encouraging. Um, One was talking about loved ones who have passed, but knowing that they are believers and knowing that their salvation is secure and where they will be, that they have left here where they were struggling or in pain or not mobile or whatever it was, and that now they're with their, their Savior and that they're whole. And that's something that brings somebody not only comfort, but joy to know that. And there were some that were joy tied to community where, um, you know, they, Bonnie talked about her piano students or a sing-along that she was going to, they were going to do as a group. And I think those kind of things are so good to reflect back on because they can bring us back to that moment, back to that feeling, and that helps us to know that joy is possible, even when it doesn't always feel that way. And I think that that's a lot of what I was thinking about going through this, this message about how difficult it can be. You can't just sometimes on demand 
darn it, I'm just going to feel joy in this second if it kills me, right? You know, that's, it's, oh, it's, it's hard to do that, right? So as believers, when we are new in our faith, joy is often a reaction that's self-focused. Um, gosh, I am so sorry. I feel like I need a ponytail holder or something. Um, as believers, we are new to our faith. Joey's often self-focused, right? So I've received this amazing gift. I've done this incredible thing now that I'm a believer. This special act was done on my behalf. So we're, we're looking at it at that lens as to how it serves us in that moment. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with it because the idea of salvation and what Jesus does is so miraculous. How do you even wrap your mind around all of that? So sometimes you're just starting it. Thank you very much. You're just starting it in, in that way. You're just starting it with something that, you know what, I'm just going to start by saying that I can't even believe how amazing this is and I'm going to be happy about it. So as you grow in your faith, your joy might grow also some additional layers, all right? Uh, what was done for you was great. It's still there. You're still happy. You're, you're, you're still there. But you also might start to feel a little bit more of an emphasis on how that connects to your family and your loved ones. So like I said, uh, Lisa being so feeling joy about seeing her daughters, her very young daughters, start a prayer journal, you know, to, to, to these kinds of things where they're making that connection to their own faith. It's that joy of, of seeing that, of helping your child or a sibling or a close friend, you, you know, helping at the food pantry, helping whatever kind of outreach you might do, whatever kind of giving you might do. The joy seeing them, your family or friends, a loved one, receive salvation from the Lord, witnessing their successes, moving forward in their calling. But it's usually somebody you have a tie to, right? It's somebody that you're connected to and you love them and you feel joy when you see these things, um, not only that have happened to you, you then see it happen to them, all right? And part of your mind might be like, okay, I'm good, me, my family, we're saved, good, right? Good, I don't even have to think about it anymore. But then, as you start to mature as a believer, there's a couple more layers that come into play. Your joy in the knowledge of the Lord and what that means for you, awesome. For those you love, awesome. But then the Holy Spirit starts to do that work and you start to have an, uh, just a, heaviness on your heart, wanting to know and help all those who believe and all those who will believe. So now it's not enough just for you to feel joy and your family to feel joy, but you want everyone to be able to experience that mind-blowing joy of the Lord. That little kid and that excitement over that banana, that is pales in comparison to the gift that we are given. And you, once you recognize that, you want everybody on board. You want everybody, you're like, oh my gosh, best thing ever. Why don't you want to connect with this? And you start to feel that conviction and that accountability in your own heart to be part of bringing more people into that, that state of joy, that state of joy that can only happen when we're with the Holy Spirit. 
So I looked at several scriptures getting ready for this message. And again, as we read these scriptures, think of what we just talked about as far as those layers um, of maturity in our faith and how that affects the joy that we seek. It's not enough just to seek joy for ourselves and those people that we're close to. We want that for everyone. So this is Old Testament, Psalm 146, 5 through 10. And I'm uh, just going to read this one to you guys. But joyful are those who have the Lord of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. He will be your God, O Jerusalem, throughout the generations. Wow. That is a lot of stuff that the Lord does. That is a lot of things to be joyful for that he takes care of. And a lot of those things are very tangible. Sometimes we think, oh my gosh, how can I be joyful because the, you know, in the Lord because there's, I can't see him and touch him in this moment. I say that you can. Think of all of those things that we just talk about, the Lord's provision, not only for our spiritual selves, but our practical needs and the needs of others and the way that he introduces us and the way that he orchestrates things. Those are, those are tangible experiences that we have had. And those are all things that can be wrapped up in that idea of joy. And these things, they're far-reaching. They're not things for just a specific individual. They are for you as an individual, but they are for everybody as well. And the more that we remember that and the power and the glory of the Lord, how that works when we are exponentially bringing people to that opportunity of joy, that's a powerful thing. Another scripture I really loved was um, out of Luke, and it's uh, when we are talking about uh, uh, Elizabeth coming to visit Mary. And this is Luke 1, 41 through 44. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Now, does everybody know who the baby is in? Uh, yeah, okay, right, John the Baptist, right? So the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women. And she's talking to Mary who's carrying Jesus. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So here we see a fetus, John the Baptist, leaping for joy when he hears Mary's voice because Mary's carrying the baby Jesus. So if we ever wondered, you know, was Jesus still Jesus, like deity when he was in her belly? Yes, yes, I think he was, right? Even a baby could recognize and feel joy before anything else in his life had ever even happened. In Matthew 2, 
10 through 12, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's like extra joy, exceedingly with great joy, right? After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So this is talking about the Magi, and they're, they've, you know, they've heard that the baby Jesus has been born, and they have traveled hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles to go see the baby Jesus. And they're not, I mean, it's been, and it takes a while. So they're not still in the manger. They're going to Jesus's house so that they can see the baby Jesus and, and see if he is who they believe he is. And it didn't take more than stepping into the room and seeing him for their hearts and souls to recognize that he was the Messiah that he was not only who they had been told he was, right, where they drop to their knees and they worship him. Imagine that feeling to, first of all, be like, oh, joy, he is here where we, were, where we came to. He's here. We recognize in this moment he is who he says he is. And if he is who he says he is, then the promises that we have been promised along with the bringing of the Messiah, those things are real as well. That must have been an incredible joy for them to feel. So with all of those scriptures, and there are so many awesome scriptures. You guys know I love Bible study. So I kind of was like, Bob, this could have been like a 30-page thing of scriptures about joy. But I had to rein it in a little bit. And, and I wanted to share those scriptures because I, I really like them. But there was one scripture that spoke to me. It really, really spoke to me. So that's the one I want to read to you last before we go into the second part of the message. And this one is also out of Luke. Luke was really doing it for me this time, guys. And it's Luke 10, 17 through 24. And the context for this is that Jesus has, you know, he sent out the 12 disciples, right, to, to spread the gospel. But he also sent out other disciples. There's a story in Luke that talks about Jesus sending out 72 disciples and there to spread the, the good news, the gospel, to do miracles. They're paving the way for Jesus who is going to visit these places later. So they're, they're kind of making it a, a warm introduction. Anybody who has, you know, you're trying to, to meet people in network, that's that warm introduction where you know something's coming and you're ready and you're prepared for it. So that's what's happening here. Um, so when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told him, and this is Jesus speaking. Yes, he told him, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. At that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, O oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. 
Then when they were alone, meaning Jesus and these disciples, he turned to the disciples and said, blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. Tell, I tell you, many prophets and kings long to see what you see, but they didn't see it, and they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. So prophets and kings, they couldn't buy this knowledge. They couldn't buy this revelation. People think if they have enough money, they can throw it to get whatever they want, and they're just trying to fill this endless hole that can only be filled by the Lord. And I love the fact that Jesus turns to them and says, you know, you have a gift. You know, you might be like, why are you calling me childlike, right? You might choose to be offended and be called like a child, right? You know, but this is what the Lord is looking for. Not somebody that has their own preconceived notion of what the Lord is and what he'll do for you. And that's the story that you tell, like you're trying to sell Jesus to people. It's the truth. It's the truth of being able to allow the Lord to reveal himself to you and that that salvation, our names being written in the book of life, that should be enough. And even though that should be enough, there's still so much more on top of that, right? That's not all he gives us, but that should be that basis of what that joy is. So how can we focus on joy? Right? Let's think about the practicality of how we can focus on joy when things happen all the time that try to steal your joy. Um, and they can be little things or big things. So we're just going to hit just a few things. And that's what I want you guys to do is I want you to lock into what the words I'm saying right now to you guys on these next things. And the minute that you sense something trying to steal your joy, I want you to go back to one of these. And I want you to remind yourself of what we're going to talk about right now. So number one, and this is a biggie, God wants none to perish. He will pursue us all of us, until the end. That is huge. So when the enemy tries to steal your joy by highlighting a loved one who's not walking with the Lord or a friend who's not walking with the Lord, remind yourself that he is relentless. Jesus is relentlessly pursuing that person and he will never give up, not until the end. He doesn't give up. And you can feel joy in that. It is not up to you to be successful in bringing someone to the Lord. It is up to you not to be an obstacle. Okay. That's a big one, right? Not to be an obstacle. It is up to you to intercede and pray for that person, but it is not up to you the success of that, right? Jesus is relentless. This scripture in Luke 15 what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the pasture and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, comes home, and calls together his friends and neighbors to tell them, rejoice with me, for I found my lost sheep. That's Jesus. He's the shepherd out there looking for that lost sheep. And if that lost sheep is part of your, you know, part of your little group, part of your family... He's looking for that sheep for you, and he's going to bring it back. And he will be joyful over that. Not just you, but he. That's how important it is to him. Two, that Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit so we can know joy in circumstances where joy seems impossible. I know every single person in this room 
has an example of a moment in their lives where they felt joy it was impossible. And I want you to think about that for just a second. Just a second where you thought, I may never feel joy again because of whatever this thing is. So when the enemy tries to steal your joy by using a spirit of fear, hopelessness, offense, or anger in your life or your relationships, remind yourself that the Holy Spirit lives inside you and gives you authority over those spirits. You can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, render them useless and replace them with the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And I know this seems too easy, and it's, it's really not, but it is easy to catch yourself right at the beginning of that and just say, you know what, this is not what I want for my life. You know, you come, you're headed to church and a myriad of things happen and you could either just go down that rabbit trail of having a problem or you could be like, you know what, I am going to think about these things instead. I'm going to think about these lovely things instead, these things in Galatians. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The Holy Spirit produces these things. If you are a believer in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside you, and the Holy Spirit does produce these things in your life. And you have to be willing to accept that he does that. You can choose to say, I know it's there and I'm going to ignore it, but that's not what he wants, right? That's your choice. Our free will can sometimes be our biggest enemy. So the minute you get into a position where you are starting to feel like those things are taking over your, your, your life, your attitude, remind yourself you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit, and he produces that kind of fruit. And if you find yourself in that position and you're not a believer, and you're like, how do I get out of this slump how do I bring joy back into my life? How can I produce the good fruit that I want to have? I've got an answer, right? Consider, just consider accepting what it is that Jesus wants to give you, right? What's the harm in that? What's the harm in just considering, well, maybe, maybe I would rather, instead of being all racked up and being angry and in offense, Maybe I'd rather have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? That doesn't sound horrible, right? Why do we overthink what it means to just consider what it is that the Lord wants to bring us and he wants us to be living in that joy? God has created us for forgiveness and he's created us to give forgiveness. So when the enemy tries to keep you in a state of offense, Somebody does something and you're mad and, you know, I'm like getting ready and all of a sudden I remember something that happened when I was in eighth grade. And I'm like, you know, I wonder what that, you know, what happened to that person there. And I'm like, offense over something that happened a whole bunch of years ago, right? So, um, so... When the enemy tries to keep you in a state of that offense, that's ridiculous, right? I can't, I can't remember what I wore yesterday, but I remember this thing in eighth grade, like clear as, a, clear as anything. Replace that lie, that lie of offense 
you know, the offense that the person probably doesn't even remember that, you know, they probably have no memory of it. Replace that in that moment for you um, to forgive and just remind yourself, replace that lie with the joy of what it feels like to forgive and to be forgiven, right? We know because in scripture it says, Luke 6, 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Think about the weight of that for a second. How many times do you find yourself judging somebody or living in offense about something? And the scripture tells us if that's what we're putting out there, that's something that we're going to receive back as well. And so we, that is difficult to think about. You know, I know that we all think that we are perfectly nice and live totally unquestionable lives, but I'm sure somewhere along the line, we have offended somebody. And maybe it's somebody very important to us and somebody close to us, and we would give anything for them to forgive us. So we model it just the way Jesus models it for us. We model it, and then that's what we get back. And that's true. That happens. I have seen that happen in relationships that I have thought there is, there's no coming back from this. But there is. There is. That forgiveness and forgiving is powerful. It's powerful. We're meant to feel joy in the calling the Lord has given us. So you've become a believer um, Maybe it's not even something to do with ministry, but you, you have this calling, this thing that you feel is so important to you, and then the enemy tries to throttle that back. He makes you feel doubt or maybe embarrassment about sharing your faith. You know, maybe you're like, hey, I want to I do this outreach. I want to start a Bible study. Or I want to do something. And then the enemy takes that dream and he crushes it and he makes you feel all of a sudden like you're not good enough to do it and um, starts giving you all kinds of reasons why you can't hear from the Holy Spirit or why you can't do this Bible study, why you can't come to church because you're embarrassed that you don't know your scripture well enough. He takes those things that are amazing gifts that the Lord gives us and he just tries to poke holes in them. So when that happens to you, you remember those last two verses that we were talking about in Luke 10 that I read earlier. When Jesus turned to the disciples and he said privately, blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I say to you that many prophets and kings wished to see the things you see and did not see them and to hear the things which you hear and did not hear them. So we talked about the prophets and the kings couldn't buy this gift or coerce it out from others. Unbelievers can not, maybe not understand what that means, what that gift is to see and hear. Trying to explain it to somebody that doesn't have the Holy Spirit in their heart quite yet, that can be difficult. You can maybe feel like, oh my gosh, I feel like a little bit of a fool trying to explain this to somebody who hasn't experienced that yet. But this is present tense when he says, see what you see and hear what you hear. Because we see and we hear every day, every single day, every moment that we allow the Lord to do it. And sometimes we just don't recognize it. We think that some little thing, some little blessing that must be, in a, you, know, some, you know, would God bother to do that? Yes, he would. 
He would. He would bother to do those things that would just regenerate your heart. Those things that can just kind of give you fresh perspective and that fresh determination to be able to share your faith with others. Because again, sharing your faith with others isn't just about the joy that you have already received or the joy that might have already been received in your family. It's the joy that you want more than anything for those people that you see in the world that you might not even know. You walk down the street and you see somebody walking on the street and you're like, Lord, I pray joy for this person. I hope they know you. I'm going to pray for them right this very minute. How amazing would that be if we went through our entire lives instead of saying, what's this person walking on the side of the road for? What's their problem? And instead we were like, you know, I'm going to pray for this person that they feel the joy of the Lord and that they are, are saved and that they have an experience with you today, right? We'd be all running around like crazy people, happy all the time. Oh, what a nightmare, right? You know, I, 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 I just think about that because I do feel that way. I do feel that way. And I... I express it in many different ways. Christmas lights and serving and trying to bring in wish list items for people because I want more than anything for people to allow their skepticism and their guard to just be lowered for a moment. To not only let me love on them, but for me to let them know the joy of the Lord can be yours whether or not I am here in front of you. The joy of the Lord is yours for the taking and it's yours for the sharing. So I am getting ready here. I'm going to light that joy candle, and I'm going to ask um, that when you need to refresh your joy, when you feel like you're just tapped out, that you remember that you're blessed with the gifted, blessed and gifted with eyes at sea and hear the things of the Lord that are happening today, every single day. It's not just back then. It's not just what's going to happen in the future. It's right in this moment that you're blessed with eyes and ears that can recognize those things. And it's a gift for sure. Think about the people you know that don't have that gift and pray earnestly that this would be something that they would experience. You know, intercede for them. You know, just pray to the Lord that this would be something that has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the joy for these other people. We have that gift. We have the gift of his truth, his justice, his grace, his mercy, and his joy. All right, so we're going to light this, and then we're going to go into communion. But I'm going to close this real quick in prayer before we go into communion. So God, I just, I just thank you because I know how that joy feels to me. And I want more than anything that every single person in this room not only would feel that joy for themselves, but they would feel that burden of bringing that joy to others. And I know that the word burden seems like, gosh, does burden and joy go together? But it does when it's a burden of love, a burden and labor of love to be able to truly understand what that feels like and to truly want that. For, for everybody. And Lord, we thank you that you pursue us to the very end. We thank you that you don't condemn us, that you have taught us how to forgive. We thank you for those good gifts and we leave it all up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so now we're going into communion. We'll have two couples here at the front. Uh, we have wine and we have gluten-free crackers and bread. You just come in, you just 
dip it in the wine. Uh, if you want to self-serve, we've got a table at the back that has juice. But just be um, in that place, just be in that prayerful place of asking the Lord to continue to reveal his joy to you each and every day and how you can be that conduit of joy to others.